Welcome to the podcast, Think Biblically, conversations on faith and culture. I'm your host, Sean McDowell, professor of Christian apologetics at Talbot School of Theology, Biola University. And I'm your co-host, Scott Ray, dean of the faculty and professor of Christian ethics, also at Talbot School of Theology, Biola University. We're here with a guest today named Todd Miles. He's a professor of theology and a director of the Master of Theology program at Western Seminary in Portland, Oregon. But to me, what's so interesting about Professor Miles is a book that he wrote, and it's called Superheroes Can't Save You. The moment I saw this book, my first thought was, why didn't I think of this? And second, we got to get this guy on the show. So, Professor Miles, Todd, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's really good to be here. Thanks. So I read the opening of your book. I read your whole book, but at the beginning, you described the story of going and reading comics as a kid, and it brought me back to elementary school and junior high, and you found a way to wed two loves that you have, superheroes and theology. Can you tell me about the story behind the book? Well, that's essentially what it is. I, I grew up a little bit of a comic book nerd. Now, true comic book nerds would call me a bit of a poser. So I'll just confess that right now. But to non-comic book nerds, I would be a comic book nerd. There's, there's no doubt about that. And uh, what I found when I was teaching uh, church history and the doctrine of Jesus Christ is that when we approach the topics of the person of Christ, uh, who he is, thinking about the hypostatic union, how Jesus is both a fully human and fully divine. It's really difficult to wrap your arms, uh, your mental arms around that, because there's really nothing that uh, approaches that in, in nature. You know, th- there's no ready illustration for that. Uh, but what I found was that as as we're working through the heresies, because as you know, oftentimes it's easier to describe what something isn't uh, than, than than what it actually is. As we looked at the Christological heresies, it sure seemed like they were all perfectly embodied in some comic superhero or another. And and it started out with Superman with with docetism, um, and and then you know Spider Man with Eutychianism, and before long, all the students in my classes were coming to me with with their own ideas, and it just <laughs> built and built and built, and 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 what I found on the exams is I might say something like you know tell me what Eutychianism is, or and they'd say ah oh, that's the Spider Man heresy, and and it would go from there. So uh, that's how it came about. I I, I taught the content in a Sunday school class, uh, ages like teenagers up through octogenarians. And, and about, it was like two months after the class was over, I, I had an, an elderly lady come up and talk to me. She's, she's in her eighties, like mid eighties. And, and she said, Todd, I just saw an advertisement for an Ant-Man movie. And I said, well, yeah, need very, are, are you going to go watch it? And she said, oh, I don't think so. But that's modalism, isn't it? Uh, wow! Thought, yes, yes. <laughs> if I have if I have octogenarian ladies who remember uh, what modalism is based on this, that maybe there's a book in this, and so well, I started writing it up, and it, it was fun. Let's encourage our listeners here at this point. We will get to some of those details that Todd mentioned: Eutychianism, modalism, things like that. Uh, I love how you put it in the book that uh, superheroes illustrate every bad idea about Jesus. Uh, and we'll get to we'll get to some of those in just a moment. But what, here's what I'm particularly interested in is I, I think that you know the superhero movie genre has just exploded in the last decade or so. I think 
part of that may have been because we finally had the the visual technology to be able to portray a lot of the comic book scenes in in motion pictures. Um, but the, the, this has exploded sort of parallel to the way we've, I think, culturally, we've always been fascinated with these superheroes. Why, why do you think yeah. that is? And what do you think that tells us about ourselves and about our culture? Well, I think it, it tells us uh, probably a number of things. Uh, one, that, that we love hero stories, for starters. Um, and, and, and even though some of the superhero comics are of the anti-hero nature, for the most part in the, the popular comic book series, uh, good and evil are clearly defined. I, I think having some moral clarity is, is helpful for people, especially in the, 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 the hero stories that they enjoy. And, and and maybe even to go a little C.S. Lewis on this here that that, that if, if 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 what I'm experiencing in my life cannot satisfy me, if if the things around me can't satisfy me, maybe it tells me that I'm that, that I'm that I was created or built for another world, and and so maybe there's a little bit of that in it as well. So let me ask you this, this Todd: Why don't superheroes and even Superman measure up to Jesus? To hit the title of your book, why can't they save us? And why don't people want a superhero really more like Jesus? Yeah, well, I think that the reason that you know that superheroes can't can't save us, obviously, apart from the fact that they're not real, is is that uh, even in their like, if if we entered in the reality of a comic book world, they they don't actually. Uh, possess and that is possess ontologically they, they they are not uh what it takes to actually save us from uh, from what we most need save from I, I guess to put an awkward sentence together the that is um you know the, the the main point of my book was that in order for Jesus to do everything that the bible says that Jesus did and does for us he has to be everything that the Bible says that, that he is, and that would be fully human, 100%, absolutely human. We could even argue more human than even we are. And he has to be simultaneously uh, fully divine. And, and it takes all of that. It, it takes a fully human Jesus and a fully divine Jesus uh, to actually save us from ourselves, save us from our sin, save us, save us from God, right? Save us from the wrath of God himself. Um, and th- there's, there's a logic to the gospel that, that requires everything that, that Jesus is. And then I suppose to answer the last question, why don't people want Jesus as a savior as compared to maybe, you know, Superman or Batman, you know, Superman could sweep in and save the day. You know, he'd save us from, from whatever was costing us at that moment, but then he'd fly away and he wouldn't ask anything of us. But but Jesus isn't like that. He's a savior who saves us and buys us and then owns us and desires us and expects things of us. He gets into our business and he requires that we, that he not just be the one who saves us from sin, but, but, but he requires that, that he be our Lord as well. And, and, and maybe that's just asking a bit too much for people. I, you know, I, I suspect that's, I suspect that's the reason why more people aren't interested in Jesus. Uh, I think he just asks too much. Um, he, he promises a lot too. Hey, let's. I think our, our listeners are probably 
wondering wondering by this point, when are Sean and Scott going to get to the details <laughs> of this, get to the specific superheroes themselves? So let, let's do that. Uh, the first one you describe is what you call the Superman heresy. Uh, and a heresy simply is, I would say, just a, a bad idea about Jesus. That's how you mean it here. Um, but so what is the Superman her- heresy, and what's the bad idea about Jesus that it reveals, and why is why does it matter today? Yeah, good. So so a, a heresy is, it's it's minimally like a bad idea about Jesus, but, you know, I, I could probably add to that. It's a really bad idea about Jesus. It is such a bad idea about Jesus that it, that it undercuts the very logic of the gospel, right? To, to where, by the end of the day, a heretical view of Jesus can't actually save us. It, it can't, it, he can't do what uh, what the Bible says that Jesus in fact actually did. I stand. I stand. And, I stand corrected. Well, <laughs> I, I appreciate I, no, you doing that no, graciously. You were quoting me. I mean, <laughs> you were quoting me there. Um, you know, so that that's totally fine. Um, but what? The, so the, the Superman heresy. Um, so early in the church, early in church history, the Christians are trying to figure out, okay, Jesus was a, a human, apparently, but the Bible makes big claims about him being divine. And, and they kind of latched onto this divinity. But, but how do divinity and humanity coincide in one person? How is this even possible? And so one of the ideas that was floated was something called docetism or docetism or however you pronounce it, where uh, it, com- coming from the Greek word to seem, that is, Jesus just appeared or seemed to be human. He, he wasn't actually human. He was just God in the appearance of a man. And so you have a Jesus that is 100% divine, fully divine, but not actually human. And, and, and I suggest from that that this is really a lot like Superman. And, and so I, I, I often ask, you know, if I'm talking about this in classes, how many of you think that Superman, and you have to enter into the comic book world with me here, how many of you think that Superman or, or, or that Clark Kent, sorry, that Clark Kent was a real human being. And of course, most people raise their hand at that point because they're playing along. It's the comic comic book world, and, and Clark Kent was a real human being. You know, he was the mild-mannered reporter for the Daily Planet, grew up in Smallville, all of that. But, but in the comic book world, of course, Clark Kent wasn't a human being. He was Superman in disguise. He was actually a Kryptonian with, with amazing powers. Clark Kent was just a persona. Right, he was really just—he wasn't a human. He was Superman in disguise. And the point I make there is that uh, sometimes uh, throughout the history of the church, people have had the same exact idea about Jesus. He wasn't really human. He was just God in disguise. And and even though there aren't that many card-carrying uh, docetists running around, you know, there aren't that many people who say, "Well, I'm a Christian of the docetist variety." You know, I've, I've never met anyone like that. Uh, but I do find that, especially for evangelicals, uh, you know, that the, our, our history is coming off the, the fundamentalist liberal wars where we were defending the deity of Jesus. And, and evangelicals are taught from a young age to defend the deity of Jesus. It's really important that Jesus be, be divine. And it is. It's like a matter of life and death that he be divine. But we're so quick to affirm the deity of Jesus that I think sometimes a lot of Christians don't know what to make of his humanity. And we become 
effectively functional docetists. We, we, we unwittingly buy into this Superman heresy, what I would call it, uh, because we don't know what to make of his humanity, and we don't think he really was like us. We're, uh, we're, we're told that Jesus is our help in temptation, and that sounds great until we think about it for a while, and we think, but Jesus was God. Of course he's not going to be troubled by my temptations. Of, of course he's going to know exactly what to do in every single situation. He's, he's God, after all. And, and we don't know what to make of his humanity, but I mean, the gospel depends upon Jesus being fully human. Uh, all of the benefits that accrue to us, because Jesus is our, our brother, we are co-heirs with him, uh, they come to us because Jesus is fully human. He, he is our great high priest who can sympathize with us in our weakness because he actually was fully human. And so uh, everything in the Christian life depends upon the full humanity of, of Jesus Christ. Todd, the flip side of the bat of the Superman heresy would be the Batman heresy. Can yeah. you kind of explain what that is again and tie it back to Christian living just as you did with, with Superman? Sure. So, you know, Batman is he's 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 one of my favorites. Um and, and he's one of everybody's favorite That's superheroes. Right. <laughs> Spider-Man and Batman are the biggest selling comic books in out there right now. And and have been for a long, long time. Uh, but you think about it, Batman doesn't have any superpowers. You know, in, in the in in the Justice League movie, when when the Flash asks Batman, you know, now tell me what your superpowers are again, and you know, and Bruce Wayne says, "I'm rich," right? Uh, that's who Bruce Wayne is. He's filthy rich, and trained by ninjas, uh, incredible scientific mind, and and is the world's greatest detective, right? But he's just human. He's the most in the comic book world. I would say he's the most remarkable human being who has ever lived, and and of course some people have the same exact idea about Jesus, especially um, in, in in more liberal areas of Christianity and and maybe outside of the church, probably outside of the church. I I you know it's it's still pretty poor form to talk smack about Jesus. Um, you know you, you walk out on the street, P- people don't like Christians, they don't like the church, but Jesus is still held in some in high esteem. Most people who aren't followers of Christ, they they would of course, deny that he was divine, but he was a remarkable human. Um, and, and of course, uh, the, the gospel depends upon Jesus being fully divine, uh, not just the most remarkable human who ever lived. And, and, and I would argue that's, that's exactly who Jesus was, right? He absolutely was the most remarkable human being who ever lived, but he was necessarily uh, so much more. He, he was fully divine. And, you know, why is this important for Christian living? We need a fully divine Jesus Christ, don't we? We, uh, we need uh, a fully divine Jesus Christ to, to die on the cross, to atone for sins. Uh, we need a fully divine Jesus Christ to be the, the heir of the world, the one who sits eternally on the Davidic throne, uh, who, who recreates the cosmos and rules over it as King of kings and Lord of lords. We need a great high priest who doesn't just isn't able to just sympathize with us because he's fully human, but in the words of of Job, who needed an advocate, someone who could put his hand on him and his hand on God and intercede. And and in Jesus Christ, that's what we have: someone who is fully human, just like us. He can put his hand on us, and someone who is fully divine, the Son of God, who can put his hand on God and and who can advocate for us, who can who can act as our arbiter and, and are in between. And just like everything in the Christian faith and Christian life depends upon the deity of Jesus or the humanity of Jesus Christ, uh, in, in 
many of the same ways. Uh, it, everything depends upon his full deity as well. All right, Todd, let's let's go back for just a moment to your octogenarian woman who uh, told told you she understood modalism uh, as a result of your Sunday school class. I think of all of the bad ideas about Jesus and about the Trinity, that's the one that I hear as most commonly used as an explanation to to try and understand what I, what I think is a pretty difficult concept anyway uh, yes. in the Trinity. But you you make the claim in your book that the, the Ant-Man movies actually are a pretty good illustration of modalism. How, how is that yeah. so? And then what, and yeah. what's really the problem with modalism? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I think you're exactly right. I, I think modalism is the de facto uh, heretical view of, of most Orthodox Christians, if you can call them Orthodox, having a heretical view. Uh, because the Trinity is really difficult to I mean, wrap our minds around. I say in, intending to be Orthodox. Oh, uh, of course, yeah. Um, you know, just like you, you walk into a church and ask them to explain, you know, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Chances are you might hear something that sounds a lot more like, you know, modalism or, or Sabellianism from, you know, 1800 years ago or 1900 years ago. Um, so the, Ant-Man, yeah, so Hank Pym is is the original Ant-Man. He comes up with this uh, scientific way of shrinking the distance between uh, atoms and in, in, in the molecules, and he can shrink down. He marshals them and, and, and puts them in a costume, uh, an outfit, uh, and, and becomes Ant-Man. Uh, a little later on, Hank Pym, same guy, uh, figures out how to reverse that whole process and expand the space between you know the, the atoms in his molecules and such and so on, and uh, and and can become giant man then. So he it, he he becomes giant man. Um, a little later on, he has a bit of a nervous, nervous breakdown, uh, becomes yellow jacket. It's like kind of this semi evil ulterior uh, or alter ego that he has. Uh, fits him with wings the, the whole bit. And so so Hank Pym has three personas: Ant Man. Giant Man or Yellow Jacket, and and the thing is, is that because Hank Pym is is all three of these, he can't be Ant Man and Giant Man at the same time. If if Ant Man is there, there's no hope whatsoever that Giant Man is going to appear. If Yellow Jacket is there on the scene, there's no way that Ant Man or Giant Man are going to appear. You he cannot be all three simultaneously because they're just personas, they're just costumes, and and that's pretty much exactly what modalism is. The idea that that there's one God one God who at different times wears different costumes. Um, some people broke it down old Testament. It was God, the father gospel period of during the incarnation, God appears as Jesus. And then after the ascension and at Pentecost moving forward, God is the Holy spirit. Uh, but he's not all three persons simultaneously. He's not, he's not the father, the son and the Holy spirit. And the interesting thing about this heretical view or bad idea about you know God and, and Jesus is that even though it persists because it's so easy to understand, is uh, it didn't take a big church council to discount this. It just took people reading their Bibles. You know, they they read something like the 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 account of the baptism of Jesus, where you have Jesus going in the water, uh, God the Father speaking from heaven, and then the Spirit. Uh, like a dove descending down and landing upon him. So you have all three members of the Trinity right there simultaneously. And 
you know, I, I suppose, I, you know, I, I think I joke in the book that it's possible that Jesus could have been a, you know, a, a dove whispering ventriloquist or something <laughs> and just faked everyone out. But, but, but the easiest reading of that would be, well, apparently God the Father and God the Spirit and God the Son are not the same person, uh, but they are three persons who exist simultaneously, all being fully, equally the one God. And, um, and then, you know, again, why this is important, why is it important? Well, I mean, even something like Christian prayer has a logic to it. Uh, Jesus taught his disciples to pray. He said, pray to the father and, you know, approach that throne of grace. But when you go, go in my name, I'm, I'm paving a way for you to go to the father in my name. And so when you ask things in prayer, ask them in my name and, and then how do we actually go about this? Well, the, the rest of the New Testament fills it in that we do this in the power of the Spirit. Uh, sometimes the Spirit just prays for us because we don't even know what to pray. And so, you know, the, the, the biblical model of prayer is thoroughly Trinitarian. It's pray to the Father in the name of the Son, in the power or in the Spirit. Doing that. And, and so there's a logic there where each member of the Trinity is actually doing something different um, in this one act of, of prayer. So it actually matters. It it matters a lot. I have to ask you at least one more about these because you mentioned that your favorite superheroes were probably Spider-Man and Batman. At least they're the most popular. I've always loved Spider-Man. He's relatable. And even like these different characters have different ethics they live by. And you know, of course, Spider-Man is with great power comes great responsibility. It's kind of a biblical idea. He who's given much, much is required. And yet you, you look at this idea of Spider-Man and his character and explain another common kind of Christological <laughs> heresy through it. We were watching Spider-Man 1 last night, and it just came to my mind again. But share it with our listeners. Okay, yeah. Well, so I should say, too, you know, I said I was a comic book geek. I like the comic book heroes. And, and I they were not developed by the by the writers and the artists as, you know, you know, like to, to subvert the Christian faith. Uh, right. You know, not, right. Not at all. Um, so, uh, you know, Spider-Man, the, interestingly enough, but Spider-Man is, I think last time I checked was the most popular in terms of comic book sales, uh, comic book character out there. And, uh, he's, he's very relatable, especially to teenagers, you know, cause he's, he's so awkward. He, he has girl problems. He can't get out of his own way. He just seems imminently relatable. Uh, but the interesting thing is, is that, He's not as relatable as what we might think because he's he's really not human like like anyone else is. He's he's got altered DNA. He's got you know spidey powers, uh, this kind of thing. And, and you know there's all there's different origin stories depending on what what era you're in. But it usually has something to do with a radioactive or genetically altered spider that then uh, puts enough venom into him that it alters his own DNA somehow. Um, and so so Spider Man or Peter Parker at any rate is is like he's not fully human and he's not fully a spider. He's this weird hybrid of the two. He's got his own unique nature. And uh, in, in the same way, there was uh, yet another in church history. There was this idea that Jesus, that Jesus um, didn't have two natures, fully human, fully divine, that rather there was a merger of the two. Almost uh, another, another guy that would probably illustrate this really well, uh, would be Aquaman right now. If people saw the last Aquaman movie, he's 
you know, he's, he's, he's half Atlantean and half human, and he can't really find a place anywhere else because everyone knows the humans know he's not like them. And the, the Atlanteans know he's, he's not like him. I, I think it's the same way with Spider-Man. And, and of course, then the, the idea with Jesus is that he has a hybrid, a fusion of two natures, but when you fuse two natures together, you don't have those two natures anymore. Do you, you have something of, of, of a unique kind. And, and that presents all sorts of problems uh, for Christianity and the gospel, because it's really important that Jesus be absolutely authentically fully human. If he's going to substitute for us, if he's going to be our great high priest, uh, if he's going to do pretty much anything, the Bible says that Jesus does. And it's equally as important that he be fully divine. Uh, and, you know, because if he's not, then he can't actually atone for all the sins of the world uh, by, by anyone's model of the atonement. It's the, the deity of Christ is, is hugely important, uh, nor can he do any of the things that we are counting on Jesus to do uh, going forward. So um, it's, it's, you know, that the, the language of Chalcedon, you know, it's, it's one of those ecumenical councils from 451, where there's this creed that most Christians aren't even aware of. If you ask them, are you a Chalcedonian Christian? They'd probably look at you like, you know, you'd ask them <laughs> if you were, you know, had some disease or something. Right. But, but, but of course, but of course, everyone, we all are Chalcedonian Christians, right? We, we believe that, that Jesus Christ contained in his one person, two natures, two natures, a fully divine nature, a fully human nature. Those, those natures are not mixed up. Um, they are, they are united, uh, but they're not separable in his person. Uh, you know, it's just, and, and, and the language of this as difficult as it is, the, the church struggled for a while, but, but they hammered it out at Chalcedon and, and it's guided the church ever since. And I think the reason it's guided the church ever since is because it makes the most sense of all the biblical data and it rests upon the gospel. The, it, the logic of the gospel is, is at home with, with Chalcedonian. Uh, language, this the, the two natures in the one person of Jesus Christ. Well, Todd, your book is excellent. I have a ton more questions I would love to ask you about the Thor, Heresy, Green Lantern, <laughs> the Hulk, and so on, but it will give me an excuse to uh, encourage our listeners to check out your book, Superheroes Can't Save You. And I would really say you've managed to take these historical questions, theological questions, make them interesting make them relevant, and make them memorable. So just kudos to you for writing a great book, and I really hope our listeners will pick it up. I was sharing with you offline that last night before the interview at dinner with my kids, who I have three kids, but my 14-year-old and my 6-year-old were there. I said, hey, you guys, take a look at this book, and do you realize Superman teaches this? You know, I had their attention for 12 or 15 minutes, but enough for them oh, to kind of... that's like forever. I know, for a kid, I actually, I said, well, what about Spider-Man and Thor? And it really was just a wonderful teaching tool. So again, I hope our our listeners will check it out. But thank you for writing a great yeah. book and for coming oh, on the thanks show. Thanks so much. Oh, it's really encouraging. Thank you. This has been an episode of the podcast, Think Biblically, conversations on faith and culture. To learn more about us and today's guest, Professor Todd Miles, and to find more episodes, go to biola.edu forward slash think biblically. That's biola.edu forward slash think biblically. If you enjoyed today's conversation, give us a rating on your podcast app and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening. And remember, think biblically about everything.